you believe in Jesus. Amen. Why are you here this morning? Anybody knows why he is here or she is here? Why are you, what are you here for? Praising the Lord, Peter, that's what I like. Praising the Lord. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to put this aside and I switch over now. Okay. So I want to take you with me to the journey uh, Paul did. And is actually this history of the apostles. We have called it in German Apostelgeschichte. That means apostles' history. What the Lord did through them. And it's wonderful. I want to continue where I stopped last time. And let's go to Acts chapter 18, the verses 7 to 17. Now, as you realize, our dear brother Gary and his dear wife is not here this morning. He rang me this morning and said, well, uh, my dear brother Lionel, in, uh, where is he again? In, in Kranz, Cranbourne. And uh, so he fell ill. Guess what sort of sickness did he get? What? Flu. He didn't have enough lemons. Simple as that. You know? And so I was almost saying that he should tell him, come over to my place. I give you some lemons. <laughs> but I thank the Lord that I'm feeling good. Hallelujah. I'm feeling good. And every morning, almost every morning when I set up, I said, Lord, I thank you. It's so wonderful. It's so wonderful being a child of God. And that's so great. And may the Lord bless our dear brother Gary there in Cranbourne when he preaches to these dear people there. And I think let's pray for him right now. Yes, let's all stand. Let's lift up our hands and bless him our dear brother Gary, that he might be a blessing there to these people. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our dear brother Gary, his dear wife, and actually the whole family. I thank you, Lord. I thank you that you will making a blessing this morning as he preaches your wonderful word. Let these wonderful people, Lord, there in Cranbourne, be blessed by the word of God and by the spirit of God. I thank you. Blessed be your wonderful name. Hallelujah. And I thank you, Lord, for the blessings I received already here this morning. You are so good to us, Lord. I love my brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And I praise your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. Okay, Acts chapter 18, the verses 7 to 17. Then they left there and went to the house of a man named Titius, just as I 
worshiper of God whose house was next to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians, when they heard, were believing and being baptized. And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on preaching or speaking, and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you in order to harm you. For I have many people in this city. Hallelujah. What a comfort, isn't it? What a comfort to know. God has people in the city there. And he settled there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. But while Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him before the judgment seat, saying, This man per persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallius said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or of vicious crime, O Jews, I would be reasonable, it would be reasonable for me to put up with you. But if there are questions about words and names and your own law, look after yourself. I'm unwilling to be a judge in these matters. And he drove them away from the judgment seat. And they all took hold of Susanus, the leader of the synagogue, and began beating him in front of the judgment seat. But Gallio was not concerned about any of these things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I want to bless your wonderful name. Your word is so wonderful, so powerful. Lord, and every Sunday morning, whenever we come together as your people, we have your word. And I thank you for the Bible. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, there's so much in. You have given, inspired by the Spirit, into all these writers who they were. Lord, that we can rejoice in them and feed on them. Also this morning, I pray that we really might feed on these words. I pray, Lord Jesus, give grace to speak forth your word and give grace to listen to your word and also give grace to act upon your wonderful, glorious word in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good. Now we know the story. Paul was there in Corinth and there was opposition. And everywhere where he went, he went first into the synagogue because he had this principle in his approach of mission. First, I go to those from where the gospel came. And it's true, the gospel came from the Jews. Jesus came from the Jews. Amen. Hallelujah. And I know many people don't like it, but we like it. Jesus was not a Palestinian as he tried to interpret nowadays. No, he was a Jew because salvation comes from the Jews, the Bible says very clearly. 
Now there was opposition and rejection and blasphemy. And this caused Paul to do what Jesus taught his disciples when they were going on a mission trip. And they said, if you come into a house, speak peace into a house. And if there's a person or a person of peace, that peace will come upon you. And if there's no uh, person of peace, then your peace will be upon you. Hallelujah. And we see it here. And Paul shook off the dust of the city of Corinth. And after not willing to believe and a strong resistance, Paul separated himself. I am going from now on to the Gentiles. In other words, I can't say anything to you anymore. You were not willing to listen. And it's not the case as some people think. I can come to Jesus at any time or at my or in my terms. No, no, no. You can't come to Jesus in your terms nor in your time. And that's why the Bible says very clearly. And Paul says in verse 6b, your blood be on your own head. I am clean. From now on, I, I will go to the Gentiles. The spirit of God is a gentle spirit and he never ever forces himself upon any person. He is a gentle spirit. And the Lord put it into my heart to preach this this morning. And that's so important. I looked into the Bible in Genesis chapter 6 verse 3 and the Bible says something very important. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. Some other ancient scripture says this. My spirit shall not strive forever or abide in men forever. By going astray, that was the trouble. People went astray. They were not prepared listen or to listen to the Spirit of God. And if you have ears this morning, and that's what the Spirit of God said over and over again to the seven letters in Revelation, he who has an ear, let him what? Hear. That means, in other words, when we hear the word of God, God is at work and doing something. And if we ignore the word of God, no one in this whole world can help you anymore. Because there are two things very important. I might come to them later on. And we see here, God said at a time, at Noah's time, by the way, I say, I think I said it year, one or two years before. Did you know how many people lived and the population of the earth was then at Noah's time? Anybody knows it? 
scholars calculated and it said about 7 billion people. How, what's the earth's population nowadays? 7 billion people. And that's why we can compare it very clearly. And Jesus said, as it was in the times of Noah, so it will be in the times of the Son of Man. And we see here some comparisons. Interesting. Now this figure, 7 billion, is important for me. Is it accidentally that we are at this time with such a figure? We are at the last, last, last days. Jesus is coming soon. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he will come to Fiji too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, thank you very much. Oh, Jesus is coming soon. And that's why it's so important when he speaks that we must listen to the word of God. My spirit shall not strive always, always. Remember, you can't come to Jesus in your time when you think it's time. Nor in your terms. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 15, Today if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart as when they provoked me. And we know that's what the Bible is when Israel in the wilderness was provoking God. They didn't listen to the voice of the Spirit. It's so important in these days we are living that we are listening to the voice of the Spirit. You might know a lot of scriptures by heart, by heart or hear in your mind. But if you don't listen to the Spirit of God and do not act upon what the Spirit of God puts and prompts in your heart, it might be no chance that you could be saved anymore if you have rejected Jesus Christ as your Savior. The time of grace is limited. That's very important. We must learn this. Many Christians are just living like that. And they think, well, everything shall be all right. No. The time of grace, listen, is limited. There's coming a time where there will be no grace available anymore. And the Bible speaks about it very clear. The Bible teaches clear that anyone who wants to come to Jesus can't just come to Jesus when he wants. Did you know there's, there's something very important and we must calculate these things. You can't say, well, I lived now 20 years in the world and enjoyed all these things of the world, all the cinemas and all this, the lust of the world. And now when I'm 50, then I want to come to Jesus. It doesn't work that way. Did you know that? It doesn't work that way. The Bible says clearly, and these are the words of Jesus. Listen, in John chapter 6, 44. No one can come to me. 
Did you hear that? Did I read it right? No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. You know what it is? Unless the Father draws him to Jesus. If you never have been drawn to Jesus by the Father, you never ever have become a real born again Christian, hallelujah, a child of God. And then Jesus and I will raise him up on the last days. The Bible gives us a warning example. Esau was the first who overstepped the line. We read in Hebrews chapter 12, the verses 15 to 17. Let's read it. The writer to the Hebrews, we don't know what his name was, Pastor Gary, a few months ago, or a year or two years ago, he said, let's say it was Paul. It's very easy to, to say, because Paul was so <coughs> heavily involved in the New Testament, and it's true. Now he's wrote this here. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that not, no root of bitterness springing up and causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. <coughs> that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau, who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that, when, that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he saw it with tears. Esau came to a point what was given to him. He had the first birthright already, but there was a little thing he preferred over that. And that's the danger in our life. Listen to everybody, young or old. If you prefer anything over Jesus Christ in this world, anything over salvation and a walk with Jesus, it can become too late. And Esau said then very clearly, and we know it was a trickery of Jacob, and he tricked him because Jacob was a good chef and he cooked a nice lentil stew. And Esau came home and he was famished, the Bible says. He was hungry. Do you know what it is if you're really, really, really hungry? That's what we sometimes say, I'm hungry. It's not hungry, it's only appetite. But if you haven't eaten for a long, long time, then I would accept when you say, I'm hungry, you are hungry. And he was famished, he was hungry. And we know Jacob tricked him himself, and he saw this wonderful shoe, and said, give me some of the red stuff. And the Bible makes a little remark there. Give me something of this red stuff. And you know what Esau's 
name is also Edom. That means red. Red. Give me from the... And Jacob said, no, but sell me your first birthright. Esau or Jacob knew there is something what his father Isaac has to give. It's the blessing. I'm not saying what Jacob did was absolute right and clean and absolute right. But at least he got to it. And Esau, what did Esau say? Esau said very clearly, and if you have time, or take yourself time. Genesis 25, read your whole chapter. And then you see and understand. No, Esau, when he was offered the red stuff, he longed for and he wanted. He said, Behold, I'm about to die. So, of what use then is the birthright to me? I have to die anyway. What sort of blessing is it? In other words, I don't need this blessing. I need now this red stuff. Everything the world has to offer you is just a little bit of lintel stuff, lintel Jew. With Jesus, we have everything. Hallelujah. He is the bread of life. Hallelujah. In his house, there's fullness. Hallelujah. Blessed be the wonderful name. Now, the Bible speaks also, and I think our dear brother Peter in the New Testament. He said in 2 Peter 2, 18, But grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. The grace of God, God has given us, and by grace we have been saved. Hold it, treasure it, and grow in that grace. And that's what Peter says. We must grow in that grace. And if we don't grow in grace, something else will grow. And what does Peter say here? Or actually, in the Hebrew it says, that not a bitter root would grow up. If we come short of the grace of God, and take it lightly, we might fall away. And that means a bitter root grows. How much have you grown in Jesus Christ? How much have you grown in the grace? How can you see whether you have grown in grace? You have grown in grace if you mature into the image of Christ. Hallelujah. Have you ever read the story when Jesus was in Nazareth? And we know this story, and there's a little wonderful remark. In Luke 2, verse 40, Jesus grew in wisdom and in, and in, what? 
No, Jesus grew in wisdom and in grace and in grace before God. Jesus took shape for the Son of Man and Son of God. Hallelujah. And that's what the grace of God is there for. That's why Peter says we should grow by grace or in grace. That you would come more and more like Jesus. Jesus grew in grace. Hallelujah. And so must we grow in grace as well. The Spirit himself, and that's what the Apostle Paul says also, chapter 8, verse 16, Romans, every Bible reader knows this verse. Romans 8, 16. Very, very easy to remember. The number 8 times 2 is 16. Romans 8, 16, there's a wonderful, wonderful scripture. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And that's my security in Jesus Christ. What does it say there? Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are what? Children of God. Hallelujah. That we are children of God. Nobody else could tell you that you are a child of God. Only the Spirit of God can tell you. And he testifies in your heart. You are a child of God. No evangelist, no pastor, no teacher of the Word of God. No pastor we know in this area. Not even our dear Pastor Gary or dear Pastor uh, Lionel or all the pastors we know in this area can guarantee your childhood in God without the testimony of the Spirit of God. Do you understand? This testimony of the Spirit of God within you to your spirit is the guarantor that you are a child of God. Can I hear an amen? amen? Hallelujah. Is the Spirit of God testifying you right now you are a child of God? I should hear a loud hallelujah. Going through the rows here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm a child of God. That's so important. Hallelujah. I remember, and I was laying in my bed while I was singing and regurgitating this sermon I'm preaching here, I've eaten it already in my innermost being. And I bring it before you now. I was rejoicing in the Lord. I heard about my dear mother. She is now for many, many, many years with the Lord. And she was not a great theologian. But she was a mother who had one desire, all her children to be in the kingdom of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And if you have a big family, God bless you. Heaven will be populated also by your children. Pray for them. And do anything, anything that they might get to understand the gospel, the word of God. 
my dear mother when she was 17 years old. My dear brother Peter, it was in Russia. And you know a little bit about Russia. Yes. Where my parents come from, there was a place called Bessarabia. Has nothing to do with the Arabians and stuff like that. It was a piece of land between Russia and Romania on the Black Sea. That's where my, my forefathers came from. And she told us about the revival. And she experienced a revival. My mother, she was 70 years, 10 years old. They were just simple farmers. All they had to care for, that the crop was growing and have a wonderful harvest. And then when winter come, came, then they had hardly anything to do. On Sunday, they went to the Lutheran church because they were most, all of them were Lutheran. Of course, Germans are either Catholic or Lutheran. And I've been born as a Lutheran and born again as a child of God. Amen? Hallelujah. And they had, uh, every Sunday afternoon, they had home meetings. You know, it was cold there, and then the, the heater was heated up, it was warm, and they had a big room, the family room perhaps, and a table, and then just the simple farmers, they stood behind the table and read something from the word of God, of the Bible. They didn't go to Bible college. They didn't have any knowledge how to do exegesis out of the word of God. But the word of God they read was so powerful. Hallelujah. And she told us what happened. Something wonderful happened through all the time in this area between Russia and Romania, Bessarabia. A great revival, great revival. Revival doesn't come from teaching. Revival comes from praying and seeking the Lord and humbling yourself before the Lord. They didn't have great evangelists as we have nowadays. These simple farmers took the Bible, read it as they understood, and said a few words, and they were singing heaps and heaps of songs, revival songs. And we have, we in the English world, we have so many revival songs. I once I knew Fanny Crosby. I think she wrote many, 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 hundreds and hundreds of wonderful songs. Does anybody know the number, how many she wrote? I don't know. Pun? Yeah, about 800 of my wife's things. Whatever. And they sang a lot of songs and praying. And my mother say, said, in the back row, there were all the young people 
they were all the whole congregation on their knees. Do you know what it looks like if somebody goes on their knees? It looks like this. So, a little bit shorter. But they humbled themselves before God. And they were singing. Nobody was preaching. But all of a sudden, the Spirit of God was moving. Hallelujah. That's what I call a revival. When the Spirit of God is moving. When the Spirit of God convicts people of their sin. They didn't get preached at. The Spirit of God worked in their hearts. And all of a sudden, they started crying before the Lord. Crying, crying, singing and crying because the sins were being revealed by the Spirit of God within the heart. They had it to do with a holy God. And you can't muck about God or the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when he says something, that's what it is. It's the Word of God. You can't negotiate with the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, can I perhaps do this and this and this? No way. Either you follow Jesus, say yes or no. And my mother said, they were crying there in the back rows. And all of a sudden, and that's when you pray, and if the Spirit of God has convicted you, and if you pray, then all of a sudden, faith comes into your heart. Nobody asked to do that a young people, my mother, when she was 17 then, she said, nobody asked you to say something, but all of a sudden, they stood off, up off their knees, and were saying, Praise the Lord, I can believe now my sins have been washed away. That's revival. That's revival. My sins have been washed away. And my mother, she was a faithful maiden of the Lord. She didn't understand big things of theology and all that stuff. No idea, but she knew Jesus. She knew Jesus. She was born again, and these things she sometimes taught us when we were around the table. My father, he was still around then. He played the accordion, and we were singing all these wonderful hymns. We didn't have anything else. But we were singing and praising the Lord. This testimony of the Holy Spirit came forth. Then she knew she didn't have any Bible study afterwards and say, well, you have to read this scripture and then and then, and then you have to take it by faith, whatever faith might be or so. No. The Spirit of God testified within them. If the Spirit of God testifies within you that you are a child of God, questionable whether you are. But if the Spirit of God testifies your spirit, I'm a child of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the glorious name of Jesus. 
if the Father doesn't draw you to Jesus, and if the Spirit of God does not testify your spirit that you are a child of God, even the greatest preacher and evangelist can't say you are a child of God. And even Mr. John Calvin can't tell you you are a child of God. You understand what I mean? Unless the Spirit of God tells you. Unless the witness of the Spirit of God is in your heart. Then you know I've been born again. Hallelujah. 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 This happened here in Ephesus. Crispus, the Bible says, he believed in the Lord in verse 8. And he was the leader of the synagogue. And many of the Corinthians believed in what happened. And they got baptized. Baptism, listen, everyone who is not baptized, baptized as yet. Baptism is important. You understand it? Every time in the New Testament, in the Acts, where people came to Jesus and believed in Jesus, what was the next step, Robert? Baptizing. They got baptized. And many of the Corinthians got baptized. Baptism belongs to a full and genuine conversion. I say it again. Baptism belongs to a full and genuine conversion. If you're not baptized yet, speak to me after the church service. Say, I want to be baptized. I believe in Jesus Christ. I've been not baptized as yet, but I want to be baptized. Hallelujah, I was 13 years old when I gave my life to the Lord. And you know my story, don't you? I was playing the clarinet then, like my dear friend next to me plays the saxophone, Andrew. About this age. But the Spirit of God in that night, it was, on, it was in May, I think mid of May, on a Thursday. That's all I know. The Spirit of God showed me, Werner, you need to be born again. I give my life to the Lord. And after the meeting, there was a testimony meeting. And I stood up and said, I can believe that Jesus Christ is my Savior. I believe in him and I thank them, the Lord. Hallelujah. And then I played the song we sang this morning as well. When peace like a river. Hallelujah. When peace like a river attendeth my, my way. Hallelujah. It's so wonderful. And I never have forgotten it. And now I'm a few days older than then. And I must say, this is still vivid in my heart. Vivid in my heart. And then... I hesitated a little bit because young kids have sometimes the idea, and I was no different than you, young people, young kids. No different than you. I knew I, I need to be baptized, 
But I thought, well, you are not good enough to be baptized. First of all, you have to be more obedient to your mom. And all these things, you have to be able to read the Bible at least every day. And all these things. And you mustn't get angry when you have overcome all these things. Then finally, you can be baptized. Wrong. How wrong was I? If you think like this, you are wrong. The moment they believed in Jesus here, and all the Corinthians believed in the Lord and got baptized. There was a mark. We I am born again. Hallelujah. Get back to chapter 16 in Matthew, in uh, Acts chapter 16. There is our dear sister Lydia. Anybody read of her? Our dear sister Lydia, yes, a beautiful name, isn't it? The next child you get, if it's a girl, call it Lydia. It's a wonderful name. Now, she, she listened to the word of God. The Lord opened your heart, we read. I, am, I must read it, otherwise perhaps you don't believe me. Here, chapter 16, verse 14. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, that means Paul and Silas, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. The apostles knew something. If somebody is born again, then he gets baptized. And if he has been baptized, he is genuinely being born again. Hallelujah. And then when I was 14 years old, I got baptized in Bremen and my old Werner Schultz went through the gurgle into the river Weser in Bremen. So you wouldn't find me back again. Here's only the new Werner Schultz. The one who has been born again. Hallelujah. Now God promised Paul safety and fruitfulness. Isn't it interesting? God moves by his spirit. And Paul had a vision in the night. And the vision we see here was, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision at night. Verse 9 and 10, we can read it. And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you and no one will attack you in order to harm you. For I have many people in the city. Hallelujah. 
Paul got this confirmation by the Lord. Keep preaching, Paul. Keep preaching. And he did so. And Paul stayed there for about 18 months. And he was teaching the people. I believe in gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe that God can give visions, that God can give dreams, and they come to pass. I don't mean these McDonald's dreams. If you have eaten a lot of Big Macs, you might have at night a Big Mac dream. I don't mind mean these ones. But real visions from God. My wife, she had a few, and they came to pass. Hallelujah. So had Paul a vision, and it came to pass. And what church, the Corinthian church, is so such an example for us. Forget about, forget about the things which were wrong. Okay, most people know only the wrong things about the Corinthians. But they don't know what God was teaching, Paul was teaching about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They don't see these things. You only see the, the wrong things. This church was a wonderful church. God appeared to him in a dream. This week, I read Barnabas' fund. Ellen and I were supporting them. And so we get all this Barnabas Fund. It's actually, the magazine has been called Barnabas AIDS because they're bringing AIDS and help to the people who have been persecuted. It was in the May-June 2019 issue on page number 12. There were 67, there was in Nigeria, 67 Ex-Muslims who believed in Jesus gathered together to a camp of the terrorists. Now I have to say something that you understand. Our politicians get it always, always wrong, wrong, wrong. When they speak about onslaughts of Muslims or from Muslims, they call them extremists or terrorists. No! They are genuine Muslims. That's a normal lifestyle. That's the lifestyle of a Muslim. He has to kill. In order to be a good Muslim, you have to be involved in jihad and kill. These were not just terrorists. They were Muslims. And they had 76 people together brought to that camp in order to torture them. Four male leaders were taken out and they were challenged. If you don't say or disregard Jesus, if you don't renounce Jesus Christ and your faith in Jesus, we will kill you. And these four brothers in the Lord ex-Muslims were killed in front of all the others. And then they turned to these four widows 
of these men who were killed before. And they said, next week, we will challenge you. Either you renounce Jesus and come back to Islam, or we will kill you too. These dear brothers and sisters in Nigeria, they were praying, praying. There were lots of children. And the children had a vision. Hallelujah. Can that be that God can use children? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They had a vision. In order to encourage the, the grown-ups and the mothers, the widows, they were fearing what should we do, but they were dedicated to the Lord and were decided we will not renounce Jesus. Hallelujah. The children had a dream or a vision. They saw a picture of Jesus. I don't know what a picture of Jesus looks like, but they knew it is Jesus, and he told them, you will all be all right. Nothing will happen to you. A week was over. What the, these Muslims promised came to pass. They took all the children, placed them against the wall, and they waited for the commando to mow them down with the machine gun. as it just aimed at these children and these four widows, all of a sudden one of the gunmen screamed, snakes, snakes, snakes! And he was handling a snake and threw it away. So all the gunmen, the gunmen all those, and some ran away and fell dead to the ground. Some other wanted to pick up the gun of these gunmen and wanted to aim at those a four or five year old girl said. She was hanging on her arm, on his arm and said, no, don't do that, don't do it. Can't you see the men in white? They are with us, they're fighting for us. Hallelujah. Exactly what is written in Second King, I think, chapter 5. The ones with us on the mountains are far more than those who are against us. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's something happening in our days. There's something happening in our days. No, 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 no. Without being drawn by the Father to, to Jesus, you can't come to Jesus. Don't think I can anyway, later on, later. No, no, no. No one can come to me unless the Father, what does the Bible say to Peter? Draws him. Unless the Father draws him. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. That's revival when the Father starts drawing people to Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The report of these remaining 72 people from Nigeria were brought in safety. And the word of Jesus, the kids saw. They saw Jesus. They saw Jesus and said, no one will be harmed. Now, they were being brought to safety. But we read, I come back to the scripture. Did you realize there were actually two, two leaders of the synagogue? Have you realized that? One leader's name was Crispus, and the other leader's name was Suthanus. Suthanus was perhaps as many Bible teachers believe the replacement of the first one, Crispus. He was the first leader. And he might have been replaced by Suthanus. And Suthanus, he became a Christian too. Hallelujah! He was born again too. And it's interesting how it starts sometimes. If you want to follow Jesus, you will suffering persecution. It's just a normal thing. The Bible says, all those who want to live godly, Peter, what happened to them? They will be celebrated by the world, yes? No, no, no. They will be persecuted. Hallelujah. And our dear brother Colm read us something wonderful that we should be prepared to suffer as Jesus suffered. Now, soothness. He was persecuted, and this, there was this new proconsul, and the Jews tried again because they didn't, uh, didn't receive the grace of Jesus. When Paul was preaching, they resisted and blasphemed, and what was growing within them? The root of bitterness came up. And they brought the whole people before the judgment seat of Gallio and accused Paul and all them. And the last who got saved, Suthanus, he got beaten in front of the judgment seat of Gallio. He learned very soon, we have to suffer if we want to want to serve the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm not calling for suffering, no. But if it comes, 
that people don't understand you and reject you because you love the Lord. Don't be surprised. It's normal. It's normal. It's just a sign. You are a child of God. Amen. Hallelujah. That's all I have to preach this morning. God bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. Oh God, how do we long for a revival in our church. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for this word. Hallelujah. Move by your spirit in every individual. In Jesus' name. Amen.